0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name's Tim. Hope you'll benefit from being with us today. We're in this series on parables. Jesus loved telling stories, and so we've been looking at the kind of stories he taught. He tells these parables to emphasize or to describe what it's like to be in his kingdom, what it's like to be in the kingdom of God. So, so his values and what matters to God are in these parables and he tells them these stories he'll tell a story to anybody he told stories to Pharisees to people who didn't like his stories but he also told stories occasionally just to his disciples and here I want to talk to this morning about the parable of the workers in the vineyard uh, it's a very interesting parable it's been called the most puzzling parable that Jesus ever told I thought that was interesting and I can see why, because here's a guy who hires all these people at different times of the day and pays them the same amount of money, and it creates a little tension in the workplace. You guys know what I'm talking about tension in the workplace? Have you ever noticed there's a little tension always going on people are there's always that drama at work, you know in, uh, workplace drama that's always going on, people comparing you know, looking to see if they're treated okay, lots of jealousy, a lot of power play. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's all the time. It's like I I put in auto glass for a living, and one of the things I do is as I'm going to these different dealerships, if they catch me talking to somebody in the office, and if they hear something remotely controversial they want to ask me, so who's that about? Is that about so and so? Is that about so and so? It's like they, they need more, more. Feed me, feed me. I need drama, even if it's your company's drama, you know? And it's always, always something going on. You walk into a place, you can sense the tension. I've been to McDonald's several times, not to say that McDonald's is the only place, but I've been to McDonald's several times where the workers are yelling at each other, and I'm just standing there waiting to get a hamburger. Makes you wonder, what's going on? Well, it's everywhere. And sure enough, Jesus brings out some drama in the workplace to make a point. I've got some cartoons. I don't know. Did we get them up on the screen by any chance? Look at this cartoon here. It says there's a guy yelling, You cannot blackmail me like this! And one guy says, What's he crying about? Well, nothing. I just told him that if he doesn't increase my salary, I'll tell everybody else that he increased my salary. That'll create some drama. Look at this next one. My, my boss emailed me, send me one of those your funny jokes. I replied, I'm working at the moment. I'll send one later. He replied, that's fantastic. Send me another one. <laughs> <laughs> I love these. Look at this one. Uh, the, uh, Caution, men at work. And look what it says. Women work all the time. Men have to put up signs when they work. <laughs> Hope Donald Trump doesn't see that. Okay, look at this one. Look at this one. There are over 4 million workplace injuries reported every year. Play it safe. Call in sick tomorrow. <laughs> Always lots of stuff. There's plenty. You just type in workplace and you can get lots of these uh, cartoons. I love them. And so Jesus is using a something we would use in the workplace to make a point. In fact, when you read about this parable of uh, the workers in the vineyard, it's on the heels of Jesus meeting a rich man, He encounters a rich man. If you want to turn over there to Matthew chapter 19, he encounters a rich man, and they get into discussion about what's important and what do you do to inherit eternal life. And um, Jesus says, obey the commandments, because which ones? And Jesus names some of the Ten Commandments. And if you remember, the rich man said, I've kept those since I was a child. Is there anything else I lack? Oh, man. He He set himself up. So Jesus, what's he say? Yeah, there's one thing you lack. Why don't you sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me? Because I could, basically, I could use somebody like that. I could, I, I would love to have, you know, a disciple like this. And, and he walks away sad because he had many things. And the disciples are astonished; they're like blown away because Jesus says, you know, it's going to be hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be like a camel going through an eye of a needle—not a sewing needle, but a small doorway. It's possible, but it's going to be very difficult. And so the disciples then may begin to say, well, then who can be saved? I mean, this guy seems so righteous. Who then can be saved? You know, And and he says, well, with man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And then Peter asks this question on the heels of all this. He's starting to think as the rich man's walking away. He didn't walk away from his things, but he's walked away. Peter says, I've walked away from mine. And so he shoots his hand up. I've got a question, Lord. And his question is, we've left everything to follow you what then will there be for us? He says, what's in it for me? And it's a typical question we ask. We ask it, I mean, come on guys. When we get hired, we don't argue with the pay. I'll take it. I'll take it. But give it a few months. Man, I'm working for that. I want more. You know, is is there any room for advancement? And if we don't think there's any room for advancement, we think we're at a dead-end job. You know, we're always looking. I remember an old John Wayne movie, you know, The Cowboys, and he asked the cook, well, how much do you want? And Mr. Nightlinger says, all I can get. It, we, it, was there anything wrong with that, Tim? I mean, shouldn't I, shouldn't I want to know what's in it for me when I'm getting hired? Well, yeah, I think it's wise to find out what the wage is going to be and what are the benefits, but it's funny how it doesn't take very long for us to get dissatisfied, and someone else can woo us away with a little more wage and a little more benefit. Am I right? It's like we're not really working for the person. If we were to admit it, we're working for the paycheck and just the paycheck. And Jesus is—he hears Peter ask this question: "What then is there for us? You know, what, what we've left everything. What's in it for me? Remember uh, Field of Dreams?" Remember, he builds that cornfield. If you build it, he will come. What? If you build it, he will come. Ease his pain. Ease his pain. Go the distance. Why am I whispering? I don't know. But that's what's happening. And he's building this cornfield, plowing under corn, about to lose the farm. And here comes Bert Lancaster, and here comes, you know... Uh, Darth Vader, you know you know here, here they come without his costume, yeah, and here they come, and you know, and not Darth Vader, by the way, some of you haven 't seen a film Darth Vader 's not really in it, okay, sorry, but you know here they come and and, and these guys are they 're benefited by this cornfield they 're blessed by this cornfield, and now it 's the end of the movie near the end and and everybody 's leaving and And there's Kevin Cosner sitting there going, oh, wait a minute. And if you remember, Shoeless Joe Jackson looks at him and goes, what? Wait a minute, that's it? He goes, what is it, Ray? What are you saying, Ray? Are you asking what's in it for you? Is that what you're asking? What's in it for you? And he goes, no, no, I'm not asking what's in it for me. I'm just asking. What's in it for me? (laughs) And he goes, if you build it, he will come. And he meets his father and it's a touching moment. I bawled for an hour after that movie. I thought it was going to have to carry me out. It's one of my top favorite movies of all time. And it's a silly movie. But don't we all have that moment we say, what's in it for me? We become Christians, even in, even in the kingdom. That's what's happening to Peter. He's been following Jesus for a while and he's beginning to ask, so what's in it for me? It's easy to do. And Jesus tries to answer this question and he says, basically, he says, you guys, look what he says here. He says, you're going to be sitting on the twelve thrones, he tells them. He goes, my goodness, you want to know what's in it for you? At the renewal of all things, the Son of Man, set, when He sits on His throne, you'll have followed Me, will sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What's he saying there? You're going to be honored above everybody. You follow Me, Peter, and I'm going to honor you. Oh, wait a minute, aren't those places reserved for people like Moses and Abraham? And No, no, they're reserved for you. Wow. And then he goes on, and everyone who has left houses, brothers and sisters, father and mother, wife and children, or fields. That's interesting. He says fields. For my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Then he says, but. But many, not everybody, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. It's almost as if Jesus is a light rebuke to Peter. Peter as he answers his question. You want to know what you get for it? You get all this and more. In fact, anybody who follows me, I'm going to bless. And by the way, I believe God will bless your life if you follow Him. It may not be like you expect it to be, but He will bless it. The Bible doesn't deny that. But is it about the blessings? Or is it about the blesser? Is what I want you to think about. That's what Jesus is addressing here to Peter. Because Peter's going to follow Jesus a long time. And as he follows Jesus longer and longer, Peter could be susceptible to getting bothered and bitter. Anybody know what I'm saying there? As we get longer and longer in the kingdom, we can find ourselves getting bothered and bitter. And he says, you know, Peter, I don't want you to end up last in this. I want you to be first. After he said you're going to be on the throne, on these thrones first, I don't want you to be last. Many will. Many will follow me initially, and they'll forget. They'll forget some things. He's basically telling them, you know, you need to appreciate some things. Always remember these things, Peter. And that's what I'm noticing in this parable. You know, there's a a lot of different interpretations of this parable. They talk about the people being hard at different times and, and maybe that's uh, people becoming Christians at different times or it's one's Israel and you know different times in Israel's history and the Gentiles. And I've got to tell you, I get kind of lost in all that. I'm not sure as we read this if that's what he's talking about or is he trying to answer Peter's question and the disciples. He wants, he wants disciples to remember something. And as a disciple, see, I wanna, I, that's got my attention now because I'm a disciple too and... Many of you here, if not all of you, many of you here are disciples and you want to not miss this. Let's read, let's read um, if you've got your Bible, you can read with me Matthew 20. We're going to start in verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. You know, the way you hired people was every day. You, 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 the, the culture at that time was you didn't work a week, you, you worked on a daily basis. You were paid the same day, and so these guys are early in the morning before anybody's there. It's off. You often see these guys standing around, kind of like migrant workers waiting to be to be selected to pick vegetables or fruit. They're all sitting around waiting, and here come the landowners. Here come the people that that can give the jobs. They've already got people that can do work, but they're needing extra help, and so they come to town early. In the morning, it's before six o'clock because their workday starts at six o'clock. And notice it says he agrees to pay them a denary. In other words, when you're first hiring very early in the morning, the power of negotiation is in the hands of the worker because he can wait. You know, it's early in the morning. There may be another guy going to hire him. How much are you paying? Well, I'm paying this much. Oh, no, no, no. I'd like to have this much. So they agree to the landowner is agreeing to a denary. And off to the work they go. About the third hour, let's see, 6 plus 3, nine, 9 a.m. Third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. It's very important that you catch that phrase there. They're standing in the marketplace and they're doing nothing. And it's 9 in the morning. Part of the day is already gone. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. He doesn't even give them an amount. He just says, I will pay you whatever's right. So they went. He went out again in the sixth hour, that's noon. The ninth hour, that's three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. Saw men standing around, told them he'd pay what's right. They go to work. About the eleventh hour, that's an hour before quitting time. Five o'clock. An hour, the eleventh hour, he went out and found them still standing around. There's guys standing, waiting for somebody to hire them. Maybe they decided just to stay in the marketplace. They've about given up by this time, but they're they're there. And he sees them. And they're doing. They've been standing around here all day. He says, "How long? What are you guys doing? Standing around here doing nothing all day?" And they go, "Well, no one will hire us. They want to work, but nobody will take them." Well, you go and work in my vineyard too. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denary. They received a full day's pay, folks, for an hour's work. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. Well, if he paid him, maybe we're going to get a bonus here. But each one of them received a denary. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. In other words, we've worked all day and you're giving us the same pay as you gave them? No, no, I'm giving them the same pay as I gave you. That's what we're saying. No, you're not. You're saying something else. That's basically what's happening here. Verse 13, but he answered. Then he answered one of them, friend, and he's not meaning... Like you're my buddy, you say, friend, he's being kind to the man. I'm not being unfair to you. Isn't it interesting God is God is kind to complainers? Aren't you you're lucky, guys, we are so fortunate that God is kind when we're bumping our gums complaining. He says, I'm not being unfair to you, and he makes a very clear statement I'm not being unfair. You think I'm being unfair? I'm not. Didn't you agree to work for a denarii? What's the answer, Church? Absolutely, yes. Didn't you agree to do that? Take your pay and go. He says, take your pay and get out of here. Stop whining. Then he says, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous so the last will be first and the first will be last? Jesus is explaining His answer A little more detail to Peter who's asking what's in it for me. It's almost like, again, he's rebuking Peter and perhaps even warning Peter you don't want to be last. I want you to stay first, Peter. I want you to keep that motive of yours, that attitude. It's not the amount of work you do or even how well you do it sometimes as much as the attitude of in which you embrace it. You know, I've, I I've hired a lot of people. A lot of people quit. I've fired a few. And I got to tell you, the there was I had one guy in particular. I had. He was so fun to be with, and he was such a lousy worker. I mean, he just did not earn very much, but he was such a blessing to have around. I thought about just keeping him for comic relief. You know, I, I just liked it. There's just something about attitude. People will tell you they hire more out of attitude than aptitude. I'm not saying aptitude isn't important. But man, attitude sure is. And so he's telling Peter, I want you to remember some things as, as you follow me. And as a disciple, you and I need to remember these two. What are they, Tim? Well, as I follow Christ, God wants me to remember, number one, that God wants to use me. God wants to use me. Guys, God wants my help. He doesn't need your help. That's the point. He doesn't really need our help, but He wants it. This vineyard, this guy that owns this vineyard, which by the way, I know um, forgot to tell you, the landowner represents God, of course. The workers represent those that follow Him. And the vineyard is the most cherished thing of of God. A vineyard owner or a, a landowner he cherished his vineyard that needed constant care well what's the vineyard re- what's the vineyard represent people in isaiah 5 it's israel and here i believe he's not only talking about israel or the jewish jewish people but the gentiles as well it's the people he dearly loves he wants them to have the gospel the good news but he wants my help he wants me to use my time and my energy in his kingdom Again, verse 20, chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. The kingdom of heaven. Here's a value in the kingdom of heaven, Peter. And Tim, you need to hear this too. In church, you hear this. It's like a landowner who went out early and he got some workers. He hired them. And he sent them into his vineyard to work. Verses 3-7. through seven, At 9 in the morning, he goes back out. It's almost as if there's too much work and not enough workers. Do you get that impression? There's more work to be done. So at 9, while well, guys... By the way, think about it. The longer the day goes and you're looking for work, the less likely you're going to get a job. But he goes out at 9 in the morning and looks, and there's still people standing around. You guys need a job? Yeah. Come on I need you... and Come in here and work. And then at noon, he goes in at noon and there's still... You know, there's guys sitting there like this and going, you know, about ready to give up. And they're standing around doing what? Nothing. And he goes, You want a job? Oh, you bet and then 3 o'clock, and then an hour before before the whistle, before quitting time, I'll take an hour. They're not even negotiating with him. He says, I'll be fair, okay? Trust me. I'll be fair. So they're not working for the wage. They're working for the wage giver. You see that? They're not working for the paycheck. They're working for the person. Totally different than that very first group. Did you notice something here? I think, what I notice here is these guys are, all of them are standing around doing nothing until the landowner comes. Why is that so cool, Tim? Because what I love about it is everybody gets hired. God wants everybody. He wants to use everybody. But you know, I'm only going to be there an hour. You know, some people think the reason that the landowner gave the denaries the full day to the guys that worked one hour is because they accomplished more in one hour than the others did in 12. Really? You really think that's what Jesus tried trying to say? Now, I know some people that can do a lot in an hour, but I don't know. I another person said, well, maybe they gave a brass denary, a silver denary, and a gold denary. Come on! They're arguing with they, me. You gave them the same one that we got. Well, it was so cool. Whether I come late in the game or I'm Oh, crusty old as Abraham himself, God wants me in the kingdom, God wants me in in his place in his vineyard, and he wants me not to be standing around. He wants me to be productive too. I want to tell you, there is no greater task on this planet than doing the work of God. no greater work than his work. And there's no better time to start working now. See, I'm a latecomer. You are too. We're latecomers. You know that. We're the, we're, Peter, he's... he's is, is he saying the, the guys that were hired for the denarii, are they the prophets and the Jews and Israel? Could be. It could be. But he might be saying to Peter, look, you're, I picked you. And there's gonna be some coming later. And I want all of them. Because if they're not working in my vineyard, their life is a waste. I know some of you here this morning, you're you're making you're in the med- medical field. You're helping people get better. My son tells me stories from the ER. I told you last week to make your hair stand on the end, and some of you here could, could could rival those stories. I know that. But you're helping people. You find great satisfaction in that. Some of you here are educators, or you're you're involved in educated-related jobs, and you're educating. You Teaching people how to read, how to write. You're in, you're indirectly or directly involved in that very task. Some of you, some of you, a few of you, Jim, is in the legal field, okay? And Dave is in the legal field, all right? And you're trying to help people, you know, solve problems, resolve conflicts, protect people, give them sound advice. Some of you are, are in banking and you're, you work at a bank and, and, you, and you're helping. You're giving loans to people. You're providing savings accounts. You're doing all. You see where I'm going with this? And some of you here work in, in, uh, in food and you either are in the drive-thru or you're cooking it yourself and, 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 and people are being fed by you. I want you to know you can compare whatever you're doing on this planet with the work of God and it's almost like comparing standing around to the Word to the work of God it's like standing around and really getting nothing done but I'm feeding my family I know you are I'm helping people I know you are but there's no greater work than the work of God no greater task than to do what He wants in His vineyard because my vocation compared to God's kingdom, God's vineyard, God's field, is like standing around and doing nothing. In Matthew 4, I love the the, the the Living Bible, the way it says it, because everybody else, you can misunderstand this verse. It says here, One day Jesus was walking on the beach beside the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew out in the boat fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. All the other translations say they were fishers. They were fishers of men. Well, these guys weren't on vacation dropping a line for a couple of days. This was their livelihood. And that's why I like this living Bible. It says they were commercial fishermen. And Jesus says, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for the souls of men. And what do they do? They left the nets, their nets at once, and went with Him. They dropped what they did for a living in order to do what God wanted them to do with their life. And it's, just, it's as if God, Jesus, is going, "Look, I'm going to broaden your job description here. Your job description isn't, isn't just fishing; it's fishing for men." Now, did they keep? Did they, did they ever fish again? Of course they did. You can find passages where you find them fishing again. They didn't stop fishing, but they dropped what they were doing to learn how their job description has been adjusted, how it's been broadened and deepened by Jesus. Let me ask you, what's your primary focus? Is it your vocation or God's vineyard? What do you mean, Tim? Well, I'm in the medical field. I'm helping people get well. Yeah, but there's a spiritual ailment that no medicine, only the great physician can take care of. And if you're building something for somebody, you're, you're remodeling a home for somebody, which some of you do, and I want you to know that's wonderful that you do good work. Fantastic! But there's a remodeling of the soul that God wants to take place. And maybe you're educating people how to read and write, but do they know Jesus? Is that in the back of your mind? Because you might be a commercial whatever it be and have this vocation, but if it's not about working in the vineyard, the people of this world, guess what, guys? We're standing around really getting nothing accomplished. You see, when I became a Christian, my job description changed. Jesus one time uh, in Matthew 9, He sees the crowds. Remember what the Bible says? His heart went out to them. He had compassion. Why? They were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. They didn't know where they were going. And He looks to His disciples. He says to those following Him, He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, there are just not enough of them. There are a few. Ask the Lord of harvest. Therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. God says, I need help. Well, he don't need our help. Well, God says, I want it. And I want you working in my field, my harvest field, my vineyard, and it's the people that I cherish and love the most. I want to ask you a couple of questions. Who are you really working for? Is it for yourself, the paycheck? Or are you working for God? Are you working for that paycheck? Or are you working for the Lord? ask yourself another question. Are you moonlighting? Am I moonlighting? What do you mean by that, Tim? You know, that moonlighting job is that second job, that other job I have, I need to have to pay the bills, and I find myself, I'm to have to do that. Is there, is there something I'm doing on this planet that's taking me away from the work of God? Because the greatest task you can do is to work in God's vineyard. In fact, you were created, you and I were created to work. To work. To not stand around. I know that means something different from everybody here. But we're all, whether it's an hour, three hours, six hours, or a full-time gig, it's we're to work. We're to work. God has made us, it says in Ephesians 2, What we are in Christ Jesus. He made us new people so that we would do good works. You see, the landowner, before these guys were hired, they were unemployed, now they're hired. They're without, now they're with. God has planned, Jesus provides, see, God has planned in advance those good works for us. He had planned for us to live our lives doing them. So, how's that going? If you had a review with God, let's say you're going to have a review, a job review. I was reading one of those silly, uh, comics that shows this guy going, and he goes, I'm so looking forward to the job review in a week. You know, and who does? You know, no one does. No one says that. Can't wait. But if if God, if you're before God and you're going to do a job review, what what would He say? What's it about? Because he wants, he wants to use you. He wants you. He desires you. Well, I know other people that could do more than me. It doesn't matter. It's just cool that He wants you. Number two, God is generous to me. The Bible promises that God will reward your work. Look, look at the answer again he, says, he gives to Peter after he asks what's in it for us. At the renewal of all things, the Son of Man who sits on the throne. Look how generous Jesus is. You who have followed Me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and father, mother, wife, children, fields for My sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Generous? Is God generous? Abundantly. When Peter says, what's in it for us? What's in it for me? He says, plenty. But he warns him. He warns him. Many will be, that are first will be last. And many that are last will be first. What's he saying? He's saying, Peter, you've got to guard against assuming that you're now earning it. That you you start earning the blessings that you feel you're owed because God gives you more than you deserve. Church, we sit here. I want you to know what you have, what I have. We don't deserve. Seth is right. We don't deserve his grace, his love. He gives it to us anyway. What a generous God we have. And you can't help but notice the generosity of this landowner when he gives the guys that were hired at the fifth hour, or the the, the last hour of the day, a full day's wage. Can you just imagine what those guys must have thought? They're standing in line, and they're going to start with us first. And they're going, okay, they only worked an hour. Barely got a sweat. And they're already time to get paid. I, what do you think they're saying? Well, you know, I'll take whatever. What about you? Yeah, man, I'm just glad, you know, glad to get something done today. At least I can go home. You know, when I go back home and the wife finds out I, I don't do anything, she is not in a good mood. You know what they say? Happy wife, happy life. You know, got to be careful there. So, at least I got something. You know, and so, and you know, they're standing in line. And okay, here's your pay, and, here, and here's the foreman. there you go. And he goes, he looks at the paycheck. Oh my gosh, what is it? It's a denarii. What do you mean? I got paid for the floor. You must have made a mistake. No, don't say anything. I think you're right. You know, too bad. You know, you have already signed it. Bye. No, they got to be going. This, this is, can't be right. I don't, des- I don't deserve this. There's something wrong here. But they're not saying it like, hey, you did something wrong here. I mean, think about it. How would you feel if you're working five days a week and it's payday? And you find out the person that worked one day a week got the same amount of pay you got. little tense in the workplace, wouldn't you think? How would you feel though if it was the other way around? Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Are you crazy? I mean, you read this. This is not good business practice. Is it? Who does this? Who pays people? a full day's wage, and they don't put a full day in? That's crazy! A lot of people say that's poor business. But God's not in the business business. He's in the kingdom business. And He's simply saying, I want to be generous. And whether we're hired, whether we came in early... Well we've just showed up like Cheryl did just a couple of weeks ago when she was baptized and she's finally here today. you know it's good to see her here. you know It's whether you showed up to the show later or earlier doesn't matter. God's good. He's so generous. He says in verse 14, he tells these people who are grumbling, "I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you." Guys listen. The rewards in the kingdom of God are not given out of debt or duty, but out of grace, out of love, out of a heart that's generous. And God wants, Jesus wants Peter, God wants you and I to remember this. Look at these verses here up on the screen. They're from Psalms. Look at this this passage from Psalms. You open your hands. God is not tight fisted. You open your hands and give every living thing all that it needs. Look at this. Look what David says here in Psalm 16. He says, Lord, you give me all I need. You support me. You give me my share. We sing a song like that, you know, My Deliver, My Portion. He's saying, You give me what I need. You support me. You give me my share. Well, what's that share look like? Well, in Psalms 23, David says, because the Lord is His shepherd, he goes, I don't lack anything. In fact, my cup, he says in verse 5, runs over. God gives me so much more. I can't hold it all. And it's important. I, I want you to know, I, I have to tell myself this, because the longer I'm in the kingdom, the more I start thinking I'm owed. I start thinking, you know, I, I think I I need a little more than what I'm getting, and God has given me so much already, hasn't He given you the same? Because the third thing we should never forget is just as important as the other two, and that is that God is fair with me. He's fair. I tried to imagine the reaction of these guys after they worked an hour or three hours or six hours and they get a full day's pay. They've got to be excited. I can't see them any other way. But God doesn't give us their reaction. He leaves that to our imagination, but not to the ones who worked all day. They're grumbling. They're bothered. You know, the Jewish culture of that day, it's important to note that it was required by law in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Deuteronomy, that you hired a man or, or someone that day and paid them that day. You didn't wait a week or you didn't wait a month or, or two weeks. Today it's like that. Then it was payday was every day. God blesses you every day, every day. I need to hear that. Thanks. So it's the end of the day. It's time to get paid. And you can just imagine. Here's, and we and we don't really have to imagine much, the reaction of those who worked the full day. It says here, it says here uh, in verses 9 through 12, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarii. So when they came, the ones hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarii. When they received it. They begin to grumble against the landowner. Look at this. What's happening here? These who are hired last work only one hour. They said, and you have made them equal to us, whom have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. You see that? They're upset. And what are they doing? They're comparing, competing, and complaining. Let me say it again. They're comparing, competing, and complaining. Does that describe the workplace? Lots of that going on, isn't there? A lot of comparing. Well, I do more work than them. I can't believe they still got that person working here. They need to fire that person. If I was managing this place, I would clean out. But you're not. Man, I can't believe they're letting them off. If they only knew how many pencils that guy's taken. How much they watch YouTube. Why they're supposed to be working. So what? It's the World Cup. You know, guys, did you hear about what so-and-so said at work? Did you hear about that? What? Well, yeah, they said this about you. Blah blah, 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 wham, bam, pow, pow. Competing, comparing, complaining. And it kills the workplace. God is not concerned. He's concerned about it, I guess. But i, I, I wonder, does it exist in the kingdom? Do you think any of this exists in the kingdom? I'm not sure which way it's spilling over either. Is it spilling over from the workplace or spilling over from the church? You know, that's something to think about. You know, this isn't the first, this will not be the last time this happens. You know, if you keep reading in Matthew 20, mom comes along and says, Who gets to sit in your right and left? Could it be my boys? What? Well, I want my boys to sit, you know, could they sit in your left and right? I don't know. I'm not really in a position to decide that right now. And then later when Peter when he denies Christ, remember what a touching scene in John twenty one where he's being he's being reinstated, you know, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you, man, Lord, I messed up, I'm sorry. Feed my sheep. Of course I'll feed your sheep. Peter, do you really love me? You know I love you. I love you with all my heart. Feed my lambs. Of course, I'll dedicate the rest of my life. I swear. Peter, do you love me? Are you just going to keep driving me in the ground with this? Of course, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, I get it. I denied you three times, and now you're going to make me say I love you. I go, okay, sure. Okay, is that it? Yeah, Peter, let me tell you, I love you so much. You might deny me three times. I'll replace it with I love you three times. Remember that, church. Whenever you're denying Jesus, Jesus is going to bat for you anyway. He still loves you. When you're screwing it up, he's like, Oh, I know I love. Do you love me? He still he still thinks you can. He still thinks you have the capacity. He still thinks you have the heart to do that. Oh, but I messed up. Yeah, so. Jesus said, So and, and, and Peter's like, okay, I get it. Oh, oh, thank you, Lord. He goes, and guess what, Peter? You're so, you're going to be so faithful. Let me tell you how I know what you said to me. I can go, take to the bank because you are going to die for me. And Peter's like, really? Yeah, you're going to die for me. And he sees John in verse 20, and he says in verse 21 to 21, yeah. Well, what about him? What? <laughs> what about him look at it says there he says Lord what about him he's talking about John you know he's the guy that your favorite guy you know Mr. Brown knows her well you know about John he's leaning against you in the Lord's Supper you saw the picture on Easter he leaned up against Jesus he's the closest and dearest friend the one who Jesus loved and, and you know he never left Jesus side. what about him what's going to happen to him and Jesus, look at His answer. If I want Him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What's He saying to Peter? It's not your business. Why are you worried about that? You must follow Me. Why are you so caught up in that? Because we just do get caught up in it. That's why. We compare. Well, how come they got the husband or the wife? They got married. And I'm still single. How come God blessed them with children? I'd love to have children. How come God blessed them with good children? <laughs> how come? How come they got the car? Where'd they get that money? How come? I've been going to church here since 19... I've been here since the beginning, guys. You can't... T- Listen. I can't... I, I will not lie to you. There's been many times I've thought, well, how come I don't get a little more respect? How come I don't get a little more perks? I'm sorry, but it it happens. I'm sitting there going, you know, you think, "Oh, Tim, you're such a good guy." Now you've just destroyed that in my mind. Well, I'm sorry, but I mean, I'm a human being, and I'll tell you what: there's times when you go, you start thinking, "Hey, man, when am I getting what's it? Are you saying what's in it for you, Tim? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what's in it for me? Yeah, I guess I am. I've been going to church here 10, 15 years. I think I'm a pretty good talker. They never ask me to talk. I I, I don't understand. I just don't understand, Tim. Well, What's the problem? Well, you know, you selected this and you let that person be a leader. They've only been here two years. They don't even know where all the light switches are, and you're letting them lead. (laughs) I've been here ten years, giving lots of money. How much money do they give? I'm being funny because it's too painful when you start thinking about it. We do compete and we compare. We say we don't. We're all one in Christ, neither Jew, slave, free. Gentile. We say that, we agree with the scripture, but in our hearts we compare. How can that person do that? How how come that person gets the nice car and I'm still driving this egg beater? Why, when's something good gonna happen to me? Listen to ourselves. What we're really meaning is when am I gonna get what I want? What's in it for me? And Jesus, if he could talk to us today, I think he'd say, you know what that's going to do? That's going to make you from being first, really, really first. And by the way, Jesus says in John 20, doesn't he say to them, if you want to be first, you're to serve? You're to serve. And what happens? Everybody wants, they want the perks. And that desire, I believe, to want the perks comes from a lack of following the person. And it's about the paycheck. I say that to my own shame. I don't say that to belittle anybody here because there's been so many times I've done the same thing. I start thinking about me and not thinking about the Lord. You see, God blesses us not based on seniority you know what I learned from here? That doesn't God bless everybody with the same thing? Yeah, but, he, but it's different for everybody. So, really, in a way, God blesses people differently, and I should be content with that. Somebody may have great success. I should praise God. I should praise God and be happy for them instead of bitter and bothered about it. And ask myself, it isn't fair. I mean, that's what the guys say. It isn't fair. And what's he saying? He says, I'm not being unfair to you. God makes it real clear. I'm not being unfair. Didn't you agree to work for this denary? Yes, I did. When you signed on, did you? Yes. How many times have you said, Lord, you don't have to give me any anymore? I've got plenty with the cross. Have you changed your mind? And then he says, I want to give, I want to be generous. And don't I have the right to do with my stuff what I want to do with my stuff? And what's the answer? Yeah. Then he asks, are you envious because I'm so generous? In other words, he wasn't saying, I'm giving more to these people because I don't approve of you. I'm being generous is all. And what you've got and what they've got both say, thank you. Both say, I want to reward you. And so Peter is being challenged here and perhaps I hope many of us here are being challenged the same way that we need to trust in God's goodness and justice and trust that He'll be fair with us. Uh, There's a verse that I've grown to appreciate over the years. It's in Hebrews 6 here as we close. And I want you to look at this verse with me if you would. God is not unjust. Now this is written by a man with Hebrew heritage. Some people believe the Apostle Paul. Some think Apollos. He has Hebrew heritage, which means he knows the history of Israel. How many times God has come down on Israel. He's blessed them, but he's also had to discipline them with captivities, with several captivities. Assyrian, Babylonian, and Persian captivities and Roman captivity on top of that. And it's going on currently. And he says, God is not unjust. A lot of Jews would say, God, why are you doing this? You read the Psalms, you read the Old Testament, the prophets, and every once in a while they'll start complaining to God. Why are you letting this happen? Why did this happen to me? I don't think this is right. I think it's unfair. And here's a Hebrew writer who's familiar with all that and he says, through the inspiration of God, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He says to the Christian, Hebrew and Gentile alike, God is not unfair to you. He'll never forget what you've done. The work and the love you've shown as you've helped His people, Vineyard, His cherished, most cherished possession, and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. He said, you keep working. Why? Because... He will not forget your hard work. He'll reward it, so that you hear, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. There are some rewards you and I are yet have yet to receive from God. To see Jesus face to face—what an amazing experience that's going to be! You looking forward to that? To see Jesus Christ that you believed in by faith face to face? To be in His presence? What an honor. I can't work hard enough on this earth to receive that. And there's nothing that compares. No, no award, no trophy, no admiration or respect that's equal to that. And so when I'm, there's times when I feel like, Oh God, why aren't you blessing me? Like someone else? Why aren't you lo- doing something in my life like someone else? Or why am I getting a short of the stick on this one? Or why is this happening to me and not someone else? I just need to remember God is not unfair. Because it'll keep me from being bothered and bitter and jealous, which kills the church. So what are you going to do today? What do you need to remember today? That God wants to use you? He can. He wants to. If you remember that, here's how you know if you're remembering that. You're letting Him use you. You're willing to work in His kingdom. He doesn't want you standing around doing nothing. He wants you to do something for Him. He's got good works and plans for you that He's planned in advance and wants you to devote your life to doing. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, you know, I just I need to remember how generous God is because I've gone a little bit... I've gone ungrateful... I'm forgetting every day I'm blessed. Every day, every morning he meets me and says, "I want you to spend your day working as a partner with me in my vineyard." He's looking for you every day. What are we going to do today, Tim? Well, I was going to put in auto glass. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, we can do that. But what else are we going to do today, Tim? Well, what do you want to do today? There we go. I'm about to have you meet somebody. I need you to be ready. You're going to get a text. Get ready. You're going to get a phone call. Be ready. I need you to do the job today. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's just And I just need maybe it's I just need to remember God is fair. As you look at the whole scope of your life, as you look at things, the give and take of Christianity, to be just appreciative of, and, and never grow into a bitter, bothered member here. It's hard, you know, how can God? You know, it's funny, after they start complaining, he says here, take your pay and go. You're really not much used to God when you're whining all the time, guys. It's hard for God to use you. Guard against this complaining, guard against this bitterness, appreciate the blessings of God. That's what that card's for in your bulletin gives you a chance to write maybe a decision, a prayer request, I don't know whatever you need. maybe you're more confused because this is a puzzling parable. Write that down then that's all right i, I I'm a big man. I can take it so just whatever i this is your opportunity to get God's help. let God help you. We're going to sing a song after I pray and give you time a t- chance to. Fill out them cards and write your thoughts down. Maybe a decision you've made, maybe a prayer request. And then we'll sing another song and take up all those cards. And may God bless you. May God bless you beyond your imagination. May do things beyond what you can ask or imagine. And may He bless you beginning this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this for Your Word. What an interesting parable, Lord, about the workers in the vineyard. Father, I don't know when. Where I fit in this, sometimes I, you know, uh, I just know that, I know that I'm a part of the workforce in Your kingdom, Lord, and we are part of Your workforce. And Lord, it doesn't matter when You call us. Maybe You call us at an early age or later in life. You want to use us, Father. So we we pray today that we'll, we'll renew that that commitment, renew ourselves, uh, renew our commitment to You and to ourselves to our commitment to You. Uh, and our job the job description that you 're giving us to be more than what we do on the planet, but be more about what we do with your blessings and in your kingdom. Father, give us a spiritual a keen spiritual mind this morning to see spiritual application of how we can use these things beginning today. Father knows there are some people here that used to work really hard they 've backed off their and they're bothered. They've been bitter. They've been hurt. Father, I pray you renew their their strength, their heart as well. Give them give them uh, more motivation and more desire, Father, to work in your vineyard, Lord. Father, I pray for those of us here that wonder what what could what could you know God do through me. Show them what that you can use them, Father. I know we all compare. Father, could we just set that aside and not look so much about who's working alongside us, but look at who we're working for, and that's you. And let that, let that audience of one, Father, you alone persuade us in a manner that will give us a commitment to glorify you and you only. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.